You're now listening to Yana Yan Sounds, the Armenian Institute's podcast series produced by me, Olivia Malkonyan. We're an arts and cultural charity based in London. For this episode of Discover, we're delighted to welcome Los Angeles native Daron Sasunyan, a DJ, selector, and producer. Hi, everyone. Tatiana Beravidisyan um, of the Arming Institute. Some of you may know me. I'm a trustee of the organization and advisor. And for today's Zanazan Sounds, we'll be interviewing Baron Sasunyan, LA-based owner of a record label and also musician slash DJ selector. Daron, welcome to AI's podcast. Pleasure to have you on. You recently released an album, Silk Road Journey of the Armenian Diaspora, 1971 to 1982. Someone shared the link to the music and I absolutely sort of fell for the music and I'd never heard of some of the artists or even knew anything that there were Armenian musicians producing funk music back in the day. So I got curious and started doing some research and started reading more about you. So welcome. And tell us a little bit about yourself and also what is a DJ selector? Hi, Tatiana, and thank you for having me. This is truly a pleasure and an honor, and I'm looking forward to doing this with you. <laughs> uh, a DJ and a selector, I, it's uh, one and two things that could be the same thing, but not at the same time. I mean, yes, I do DJ per se, but I like to think of myself more so as a selector. To clarify, selector is more of, you know, someone who is obviously, you know, DJing, but is not just playing the coolest new thing, you know, or like the newest fad. It's more so that person is dedicating their time, energy, and resources to go out to find and to dig uh, for things that are, in other words, unappreciated, undervalued, or kind of brushed under the carpet, for lack of a better term. And that person can definitely use the opportunity while they're DJing or while they're on a, I don't know, a radio segment or, a, or, or doing a mix for an outlet or what have you. They can present or select, quote unquote, those tracks that they've, that they've come across that not a lot of people have come across. And they, uh, they present it to the audience that is listening or dancing in a way that they're, uh, they're pretty much, you know, turning them on to something that they haven't heard before. And they either hate it or, or they love it. And tell me a little bit more about you. You were born in Rocky Hill, right? You grew up in LA? Born and raised out here, still based here. I'm actually from a little town in Los Angeles called Montebello, which used to have a huge Armenian population. Now it's slightly dwindled. Uh, Rocky Hill technically is not like a city or town or like a province or what have you. It's more so the street, uh, the area of Montebello that I'm from. And how did you get into music? I guess like everyone else, your parents or your older siblings or your older cousins or relatives or whatever, they play music as you're growing up and you kind of get into that. Uh, There was a bit of that, of course. My parents put me into classical and jazz piano for about 10 years since I was a child up until like mid to late teens. Also some, some drumming for two years, some drum courses as well. That's the, uh, the, the trained music that I was involved with. 
since childhood. You know, you mentioned your bio mentions that you're, you're you're very much into sort of exploring 70s and 80s music, and, and I suspect that probably comes from um, your your childhood. How much of it is is rooted in sort of disco, rock, funk, and 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 sort of which genres were you most into growing up and which genres are you still into? Which genres have you sort of walked away from, you know, possibly as you've gotten older? And how much of it was Armenian influence versus, you know, uh, American and other world music? Personally, I don't like to see it as or select it as in my brain, like let's say as a genre or a tag or something. I like to think of it more so as a feeling or a vibe. You're spot on about the 70s and 80s for sure. I'm always looking for like, the boogie or the disco or soul music from that era, the jazz music from that era, even the proto house music from that era. That also delves into some of the Armenian stuff that I'm putting out or re-presenting to the public. This also goes hand in hand with, again, the, the nights where I'm DJing, where I'm taking the crowd on a journey through music from the 70s and the 80s into the 90s into the contemporary back into the 80s, then back into the 90s, into the 70s. And it can vary from Armenian music to a Middle Eastern cut, to a house cut, to a jazz cut from Central America to Africa. Like it's not more so a genre, it's more of a vibe and an era that I like to hone myself to. Do you have artists that you know have stayed with you over the years whose music you like to experiment with? Well, in terms of the Armenian stuff, I mean, everything and everyone on the compilation that I put out, Silk Road, The Journey of the Armenian Diaspora. Yeah, definitely all those artists and some others. For example, I like to dabble with, say like the Abahado Tunyan track on the compilation or some Joseph Sefian tracks. I even dabbled slightly with like a Harut track, a Harut Pambuchan track. Like I'll throw in, some of the weird, super obscure, like Soviet Armenian jazz in there as well. So it really just depends. I, it's a good question, but a difficult one because I can't really remember when I'm DJing. I'm in a zone where I'm not really thinking, I'm just feeling. Well, so for the purposes of our audience, so Daron's album that he produced that was published under Terrestrial Funk, Silk Road Journey of the Armenian Diaspora, it features artists such as uh, Martin Jurgans, Addis Harmandian, Joseph Sefayan, Avo Harutunyan, Harut Pambukchan, Eddie Jengoyan. You know, you published this under Rocky Hill Records and Terrestrial Funk has supported this. Tell us a little bit about your record label. You have uh, some interesting artists that you're working with. You also have your um, Rocky Hill Corp. It's made up of three members and, and you sort of DJ together. Do you also experiment with music or um, outside of that and produce tracks or is it mostly live DJ events that you guys are focused on? For the record itself, the compilation, it was more of like a labor of love where I went ahead and I found, well, again, for anyone who's listening, I hate the word found or discover because I didn't find or discover anything, but I came across these tracks uh, while traveling in, uh, in Europe and in the Middle East uh, a few years ago. And I thought to myself, you know, I should, uh, Put something together, fully license it, you know, publish it, copyright it, do everything legally, give these artists and these publishers, the original publishers, you know, their fair share and reintroduce it to the to the public. 
with Terrestrial Funk, it's a partnership that him and I, him is uh, Daniel Edinburgh. He runs the record label Terrestrial Funk out in Miami, Florida. Uh, he was super receptive and he's another DJ slash selector who is just open to anything and anyone. With Rocky Hill though, currently there is a 12 inch uh, that is being pressed up under my record label. And it's going to be my music, my actual productions. And it's going to be on the electronic side of things with local artists that are here in Los Angeles and in the States. Uh, their music will be published and released on vinyl and digitally as well. In terms of the current roster on Rocky Hill, uh, at the moment, it's a artist management and booking label. And there are acts on there such as Bosk, Thomas Blondet, Basil and Rogers, David Hafter, and Rocky Hill Core. And all of these acts DJ and produce their own music as well. And besides Rocky Hill Core, that's more so uh, my local uh, DJ friends who are also graphic designers. When we DJ, it just feels right. It's cohesive. It's supernatural. You know, it feels right. There's so much music out there. There's so much that we don't know. Are you trying to sort of bring these sounds to newer audiences or how easy is it for them to connect to the music? And how much does the audience matter to you, actually? Great question. The audience is the single most important aspect of a club night or a DJ night or nightlife, uh, whether they know that or not. But that also means that I cannot be a pompous person and say, I'm going to play whatever I want and they're going to, they're going to enjoy it. So at the same time, I find it challenging in the best way possible. And I feed off of that. So like, for example, every single time that I play, I don't know 95% of the crap that's out there. I look into the crowd. I look into people's faces as I'm playing and I'm trying to read and feed off of them as I play. I never go in with the expectation that, okay, I'm going to crush it. But I am always confident. I never go in with expectation of like, I'm going to play X, Y, Z tonight. And that's it. You know, like I always go with like a blank slate. I don't know what I'm going to play. I don't know what I'm going to start with until 30 seconds before I start. Always. I don't know what I'll finish with. I do find it difficult, but I do find it challenging in the best way possible. And I like that. I like feeling the challenge. It keeps things exciting. And it's been a few years now where I've been doing this and I understand how, when, and what to do at a certain time, given how people's bodies are moving. It's more so I'm curating this for you. I'm sound designing this room for you. It's more of a curation, like an art installation, for lack of a better term, but with, with sounds, with frequencies. Everything that I'm playing is coming from my own vinyl collection. Um, some nights I'll bring my own vinyl to the set and my own needles and what have you and play vinyl to vinyl. But most of the time I'm traveling with many DJs who are doing this nowadays as they record their own vinyl collections. They put it into a software and then they rip it into their USB so they can travel with their collection. The crowd is the most important thing in the area, in the environment. The second most important thing is the sound system. The third most important thing is the person in front of the door who's bringing people inside. The fourth most important thing in the room is the person who's making and pouring the drinks. The last most important thing is the DJ.
the, the very last, very last. So that's how I like to look at it. <laughs> and do you think that there's there's a market for Armenian music? I mean, that outside of the Armenian community, like how do you feel? Like what's what are your thoughts on, on Armenian contemporary music? The kind of music that you're looking at, which is which is more set from the 70s and 80s era, and you do mention the 90s, so I will include the 90s into that. What are your thoughts on Armenian music and its and its global appeal? The state of the music itself. Yes, there is a future for this sort of music, and there's proof of that with my uh, compilation. For example, 95% of the sales of the compilation, uh, physically and digitally were done to a non-Armenian demographic. I know that because I look at the sales reports. I pressed up a thousand copies of Terrestrial Funk. It was released at the end of February of 2021, this year. I was completely sold out of all vinyl in three to three and a half weeks. So, and I look at the sales reports, I look at the stores that are buying it, I look at the, the direct-to-consumer sales. From what I've seen, it's 95% upwards it's non-Armenian. The Armenians actually <laughs> paid attention to this after the fact. So um, after when all units were sold, they were, you know, the Armenians came and said, oh my God, I need to, are there more copies? We need more of this, that. And in my head, I'm like, I love you. You're my people, but damn it. You're always late to the party, literally and figuratively. <laughs> you're always late to the party. Don't do that. Don't be late to the party. Don't be, don't, don't do that. And then expect, you know, the full course, three course meal. That's not going to happen, but okay. All jokes aside, yes, there is absolutely a market for that. I also think um, going back to the DJ world a little bit, you have to stay competitive as well as a selector or a DJ. You can't be the same Joe Schmo doing the same thing as 10 different other people. I think this definitely allows me to be competitive in my own way as well. I kind of wanted to think out of the box and do something completely different. And it worked. You know, when Terrestrial Funk is, is actually promoting your album, they do refer to the Armenian genocide, to the war that took place. And in many ways, this conflict is ongoing, um, you know, with all the recent um, tensions that have been taking place. And they openly, you know, embrace that. You know, music and politics, Historically, they do go hand in hand, but um, sometimes they don't. But it's great to see that this album has been embraced and, and that political message is being forwarded. Yeah, praise to Terrestrial Funk. Daniel, who's obviously uh, not Armenian, he is actually really smart and keen on studying history. He sees things from an objective standpoint. And um, before we began uh, the whole marketing and distribution and, you know, uh, manufacturing of the record itself, the conflict was going on. I was actually very unresponsive to a lot of things at the time, um, as were many people I would assume. I had mentioned in the liner notes, obviously, about the Armenian genocide and the effects of that, especially in the diaspora, musically speaking, you know, culturally speaking, and what have you. I also spoke, uh, I wrote about the Lebanese Civil War, for example, because that also took, you know, quite a, an effect on the Armenian population in the diaspora, specifically in the Middle East and in Lebanon. But when this um, aggression took place in uh, 2020, he thought to himself, you know, D, I need to do this because people need to know what's going on. And I thought to myself, 
oh boy, I don't want to exploit this thing, you know, but it made sense. And I, I'm glad that he approached me with that concept because it turned people on to not only the previous, you know, past history of our people and not only to the music of our, you know, of our people, Armenians, but it also brought attention somewhat to people who were not aware or really aware to the current situation in Armenia. My question to you, though, is what's next for you? I don't like to give away all of my secrets uh, or air them in public. I like to have that element of surprise. However, I did mention earlier in this, uh, in this conversation that we're having that I'm working on releasing my own music and other people's music uh, on my label, Rocky Hill. And it's not going to be Armenian. It's going to be contemporary music. There's no really no genre. It's more of a vibe or a feeling. Maybe I'm working on something similar to what I released with Terrestrial Funk. Maybe, maybe I am, but uh, I, I can't really specify that at this moment. Uh, people may, maybe need to pay attention and see what happens next. Where are people best to follow you? Is it on Instagram, SoundCloud? Where do you, where do you post most of your stuff? So yes, it would be on Instagram or, or Facebook or even subscribing to my website, which would allow you know followers to get a newsletter ahead of time for certain things. Well, we will be sharing them. Darren, it's such a pleasure speaking to you and sort of learning about your own musical journey. And you're, you're definitely carving out a niche that isn't there at the moment. And, you know, I hope that some of us will be able to also see you live someday soon. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so too. And I appreciate those uh, remarks you just made. I wanted to, just one more remark I want to make on what you just said. That record is not for me. It's for you the listener, for the person who's holding the record or the person who's listening to it on their phone or wherever, whether you're Armenian or not, it's a, it's a universal record and it's for everybody. It's for people of our generation. It's for the memory of the people from the previous generations and it's for the future generations as well. Very quickly before we wrap up, the cover album is very fun. Who are those guys in the photo? <laughs> okay. Yes, uh, that's a wonderful question. I always get happy when people ask that. So the cover uh, of the record, uh, the, the group of gentlemen on that record cover, on the far left of the record is my uncle. On the far right, the very far right of the cover is my father. And in between them are uh, their friends uh, who are not Armenian, they're all Greek. The photo was taken in the summer of, I believe, 1978 in a coastal tiny town in Saudi Arabia. At the time, my father and my uncle uh, left Lebanon uh, temporarily due to the civil war in Lebanon. And they found work in an engineering and uh, metal fabrication firm in Saudi Arabia. So they all met one another while they were working and they all became really close friends. I've actually met some of those Greek gentlemen uh, in Greece. Yeah, and I chose that photo because I believe it fits the vibe in a way. It looks like a band photo. I always thought to myself, this looks like a candid band photo. And because it's so raw and it's so real and candid from that same era, I'm just going to go ahead and use it. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Yeah, and it, it worked and I'm glad it did. And 
my uncle and my father weren't so pleased with that. <laughs> they, they saw themselves, really, Donald? Like, we're half naked here, you know? And I'm just like, look, look, look. It's cool. You guys have six packs here. That's great, you know? <laughs> you guys are in your chiseled form here. You guys, the peak of your existence, it looks great. Like, just, it's, I'm going to use this. No, it's it's very well done. And I have to say, um, you know, typical 70s Speedos and at all in its glory. So <laughs> kudos to you. Thank you very much for your time today. And it's such a pleasure speaking to you. Um, and um, yeah, we look forward to hearing more about you as well. Thank you. Thank you, Tatiana. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Yum Yum Sounds. You can follow our work on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube, as well as on our website, where you can learn how to support us. Check out our blog to read more about Daron's journey of digitization and discovery, and stay updated on our projects. We hope to welcome you back again soon.